Hey, before we start this episode, we wanted to tell you about our upcoming virtual 5K. Are you sick of being cooped up inside for the past year? How about getting outside and also doing something to support Israel and the Jewish people? Join us for our first ever Bless Israel virtual 5K. We've put together a three-mile path that actually walks you through a route in Israel. You can walk or run the week of April 12th at your own pace and in your own timing. Join an international community of believers around the world committed to Israel. For more details, go to a Jew and a Jew. There's an invitation to obedience and the blessing and even the anointing of God, I'll say, that comes from fulfilling obedience and living a righteous life. And part of that living righteous as a believer is to be baptized. An outward testimony confirmed by the witness of community of what that person in the community believes is inwardly true about that follower of Yeshua, of Jesus. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world and the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. Today we're going to talk about baptism and we'll even be answering some of the questions that you have sent in. So let's discuss. So Ezra, let's start at the beginning. Where did baptism or immersion start? Unrelated from Christianity, just baptism in general. Yeah, you know, a lot of people will crack open their New Testament as though that's the beginning of the scriptures, right, Carly? And so we say, oh, easy. Baptism started with John the Baptist. Of course, that's how he got his name. Everybody knew him as Johnny the Baptist, right, down at the Jordan River. Like, this is how it was in our fantasy dreamland that Christianity just showed up on the scene as a new invention. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Where we actually see the idea of baptism, and let me zoom out a little bit. Let me call it more generally immersion, okay? Immersion in the context of faith or religious practice. We see that way, way back in the Old Testament scriptures when God is giving Israel the Torah, or we can say the 613 specific commandments in the Old Testament binding upon the children of Israel which are later fulfilled in the context of temple worship in Jerusalem once Israel's in the promised land uh, in the first and second temples. And uh, it's interesting because a lot of those 613 commandments can't actually be fulfilled or be carried out or obeyed even without a temple to sacrifice animals and worship in. And so we have this big problem in modern Judaism that a lot, if not the majority of the Torah, relates to specific commandments which in our society without a temple in Jerusalem can't be performed. So what do we do? But going back to the beginning, immersion, uh, we call it baptism, but immersion, and in Hebrew it's actually mikveh. And the pool in Hebrew that you immerse in is also called a mikveh. So mikvah happens in a mikvah. I know, rocket science. But this idea of dunking in water, either still water or in Hebrew, ma'im chaim, which means living waters, that just means water that has an entrance point and an exit point, and it's in motion. So like a pond is not really ma'im chaim. It's not living waters because it's just stagnant. Nothing's feeding it. Like the Dead Sea is not ma'im chaim necessarily, uh, or a puddle of water, but a lake that has a river flowing into it or out of it, or maybe even better example, a stream or a fountain is Mayim Chaim. It's living waters because it's in motion. So immersion either in still waters or living flowing waters is a Jewish concept. And there were a number of things that's happening. Uh, Some of the scriptural examples are if you have a disease, right? 
If you're found to be impure because of disease, you wait this period of time and then you go wash yourself in pure water and it's supposed to help you get over this infection or disease. Another example is, without getting into specifics, we have a show on awkward things you don't want to ask coming up, Carly, in another episode. But if a man or a woman has something come out of them which makes them unfit to be in the presence of God or impure or uh, unclean, they go in water after a period of time and cleanse themselves and then they're clean again in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the community. Another example is separation, right? If one person is being set apart or sanctified for a specific purpose, often related to worship, you enter these waters and the idea is the water represents a separation. Like you're, you're, you're walking into the water, shedding one thing, and you're coming out of the water set apart for something else. And so along those lines, you also have uh, an immersion of repentance. If you're in a season, you know, I'm thinking of that Nazarite vow that we've maybe heard a little or a lot about. It's a little bit mysterious, but the children of Israel are offered the opportunity to voluntarily take this Nazarite vow, right? This time of being set apart to the purposes of God. And at the beginning of this season and at the end of this season, you go into these waters of being set apart and really waters of repentance to say, I'm demarcating time and I'm demarcating purpose and I'm demarcating my actual self as being separated from one thing and separated to another thing. So repentance and separation. And then another concept in Jewish thought is that for priestly service, remember the children of Levi are the priestly tribe. And then within the Levites are the Kohanim, it's called. And that's where, you know, if you live in the East Coast or other areas with a big Jewish population, you've seen the name Kohen uh, spelled all kinds of different ways. But the idea is a Kohen or a son of Aaron who, because of their birthright, was charged with performing the role of a, of a priest or a high priest. And so the Kohanim and also the Levites had to go through waters, had to immerse themselves in waters to separate themselves unto performing priestly duties. And the idea was you are a sinful, unholy person, and you go through these waters as an outward sign representing an inward choice and some outward behavior as well to separate yourself unto the holiness of God, to be found worthy to serve him. And so that's the idea in Jewish thought of immersion or mikvah from whence we get the idea of baptism. And so John the Baptist, as we say in great North American English, and I said it with my good Rochester, New York accent there, the Baptist with three A's, was actually Yohanan, which is John in Hebrew, the immerser. That's uh, some some versions of the of the Bible. Some translations, Carly, actually say that Yohanan or John the immerser, because what he was really doing was encouraging, exhorting Jewish people in the time of Jesus, in the months and years before Jesus shows up on the scene and enters his public ministry, to actually immerse themselves. A very Jewish thing to do, and. Uh, interestingly surrounded, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but while I'm thinking of it, surrounding the temple in Jerusalem, and then more, you know, in, in more recent times, in synagogues all over the world, more religiously observant synagogues in Czech Republic, in the U.S., in Hungary, you find ruins of these synagogues in Russia, in Poland, uh, other parts of the world, and then actually around the Temple Mount in the modern city of Jerusalem, some of the excavations have revealed dozens, if not hundreds, of these pools. They're dry now. They're just stone pits, but these were 
mikvah pools. Why so many? Because remember, all the children of Israel were commanded to appear before the Lord three times a year in Jerusalem. But before you could go in and offer your sacrifice, you had to be ceremonially clean, which meant you had to go through water. So it was a sign, a required outward sign of a decision to be clean, to be repentant, to be set apart to the Lord for worship and for his purposes. So that's kind of the the context of where we first see immersion and how it shows up in the New Testament as baptism. So, you know, you mentioned John the Baptist and, you know, in the Bible it talks about how he's he's baptizing, but this doesn't seem to be a Christian practice. So at that point, he's not really baptizing in the way that we see baptism now. It's more of this immersion that you're talking about, right? That's right. And we see many chapters into the book of Acts, it says, and they were first called Christians, or really, if you look at the original language, they were first called followers or disciples of the Christ, of the anointed one, the Messiah, much later on in the book of Acts. But these first century believers at this point, well, at this point, Jesus hasn't died and resurrected yet. He hasn't shown up on the scene for his public ministry. So there aren't necessarily believers in Jesus, but there are believers in God. And uh, this, this portion of Israel really led by John, who realized that according to Isaiah, it says, prepare the way of the Lord, right? A voice crying in the wilderness. And John and Jesus identify John as this voice, right? Who are you? Are you the Messiah? No, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Well, how do you prepare the way of the Lord? John understood very clearly, you prepare the way of the Lord by a season of consecration, being separated unto him, and by personal and public repentance, And so the immersion John was doing was an immersion of separation unto the holy purposes of God, of bringing about the deliverance and salvation of Israel, which this community, this first century people were were waiting for. They were waiting for the Messiah to come and deliver Israel according to the promises given to the forefathers and the prophets. And they also realized, okay, we have to prepare the way of the Lord by casting down everything that's been high and raising up all the things that are low and repairing and making straight the crooked and the rugged places. And you do that by getting your heart right with God. You get your heart right with God through repentance. And so immersion, according to the Torah, according to the scriptures, was this outward sign of this heart choice to repent before God. And so that's what's happening at the Jordan River. Uh, we don't know the exact spot where John was doing this, but you know, needless to say, miles outside of Jerusalem, somewhere in central Israel, probably on the near the road that went up from Jericho to Jerusalem at the Jordan River, Yohanan the Immerser, John the Baptist, is leading many, many people in this preparing the way of the Lord by outwardly demonstrating an inward heart change and a heart uh, repentance for God. So is baptism, that, that's, you know, all about immersion. So now let's talk more about baptism. Is baptism a sign of converting to Christianity? Good question. So again, there, there weren't the followers of Jesus before the book of Acts, really decades, years or decades after his resurrection and ascension to sit at the right hand of the Father, where he is now in heavenly places. Uh, until that time, no one called themselves a Christian. They were very much Jewish people. And then more in the years that followed, you know, Peter's vision of that sheep being lowered from heaven. I'm getting into another podcast episode content. But uh, the idea there, I believe, wasn't saying, hey, Jewish followers of Jesus, eat whatever you want, forget kosher laws. He was saying, I'm going to bring people you considered to be unclean 
into the kingdom, don't treat them as unclean because I've made them clean. I think that's the context of Peter's vision. And then those first Gentile or non-Jewish people coming to faith in Jesus in Antioch and, and the Jewish believers who were then leading the body of believers going, oh, we see the larger purpose of God here to bring all people to the knowledge of himself through repentance and through the eyes of faith. But nobody was calling themselves a Christian. These followers of Jesus before and then during and after his, his crucifixion and his resurrection were baptizing as a very Jewish practice. In essence, they were saying, because Jesus died for me, and opened the way to new life, living righteous before God and the forgiveness of sins, I'm going to take this Jewish immersion or mikvah of repentance and sanctification and outward demonstration of new life as an outward sign that I believe God has cleaned me from the inside out, right? Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out of him that makes him unclean. And so in the face of the realization that what's coming out of my heart, my sinful heart is making me unclean in the eyes of a holy God. I need the blood of Jesus to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe that his sacrifice has bought me that righteousness uh, and that I can stand right before him. I'm now going to take on this immersion as a follower of Jesus, as an outward sign of an inward or spiritual reality that I've died to my life as a sinful person, died to my fleshly sinful life, and I'm now alive to God by his spirit in newness of life. So it was it was the the merging, if you will, or let's not say merging, let's say it was the fulfillment of a Jewish commandment and a Jewish concept done with full assurance of faith that Jesus was the one who cleaned from the inside out. And so we can clean outside as a public demonstration of an inward reality. And it was a sign of, of allegiance to him, right? It, it was a public thing. Baptism was never really done uh, in private, even when you were preparing yourself for temple worship, there was a rabbi there or or kind of a, a, a servant in the house of the Lord who would witness your immersion and say, I agree with you that you are clean. And so it was that public, you know, I'm thinking in the Christian tradition today, right? And also in the Messianic Jewish community, baptism isn't something you kind of go into your bathtub privately and you do. It's a public thing. Why? Because there's a corporate witness of that demonstration and an agreement You've passed from death into life. You've passed from the sinful nature into the God nature. You're now sinless and righteous in the eyes of a holy God because of your faith in the Messiah and Jesus. So when John was baptizing Jesus, I'm using baptizing in air quotes here. Yeah. Uh, he really wasn't baptizing him. It was more this immersion that you're talking about, a cleanliness. Yeah. And what's going on here, right? Because if it's a baptism of being set apart and demonstrating repentance, Yohanan, John, sees Jesus coming, making his way down the, the, the shores here of the Jordan River, right? Coming towards the crowd and towards John. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's referencing the Passover Lamb, and he's also recognizing this is the pure and spotless Lamb. This, this one, this, this God-man is without sin. And Jesus comes to be immersed. And John says, we all know the story, I don't need to immerse you, Jesus, Yeshua. You need to immerse me. I'm the sinful one who needs to walk in repentance. You're the sinless one who's come to take away my sin. And what does Jesus say? No, I must do this so that all righteousness is fulfilled. Jesus didn't need forgiveness. He didn't need repentance. He was walking in repentance, fulfilling the Torah 
to immerse oneself as a way of preparation and sanctification for holy service, right? The scriptures are clear. The New Testament is very clear. Jesus is our great high priest. So in the same way that the high priest in the in Old Testament times would walk into these waters, this, this mikvah, and immerse himself and come out ready to serve God in holiness, Jesus gets in these Jordan waters, and it's kind of the final step, these Jordan River waters, of demonstrating publicly in inward reality that he is ready to serve as our great high priest, right? And at this point, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. It's this final step of obedience, Jesus didn't need righteousness. He walked out obedience because he was righteous. And so that, I believe, is what's happening here with the immersion of Jesus in the Jordan River uh, by John the Baptist. So Michaela asked, what's the difference between Christian baptism and Jewish mikvah? And it sounds like they really aren't in comparison in any way. One is it was about cleanliness, and then Christian baptism is is not so much about cleanliness like the Jewish mikvah from a physical standpoint. Yeah, the, the overlap could be repentance and separation unto God, but the Jewish community today, the Orthodox Jewish community, especially women, but also men as well in the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community in Israel and in the nations— still still perform mikvah. They still dunk, you know, at the end of certain times of the month for the female community, men before they're kind of entering into a holy season of really being set apart for God at the beginning and end of that time will still do mikvah. They're not doing that at all to say, I believe Jesus is the Messiah. In large part, these Jewish communities reject the idea of the Messiahship of Jesus, but they are saying, I'm separating myself from uncleanness to cleanness. I'm declaring my faith that God exists and that he's called me to serve him in holiness and in truth. And I'm demonstrating publicly some mikvah is private still, but generally at least one other witness. Or if it's just in the Jewish community, kind of a vow between God and that person, they'll do a mikvah privately. But I'm demonstrating that I'm separating myself from one season unto another season. So again, the idea of, of immersion, of sanctification, of repentance, a lot of overlap there. But because the church for the last 17 or 18 centuries has been so separate from the Jewish community, as we've really lost what we can call the Jewish roots of our faith, the idea of Christian baptism has been almost entirely disconnected from the fulfillment of a Jewish concept of mikvah or immersion, and the two have become more and more separate. But originally, the idea of immersion was not a foreign concept to these first believers. It wasn't Christian baptism because they had converted to anything. It was a public demonstration of passing from sinfulness to righteousness through the belief in the Jewish Messiah. So in today's world, what would a Jewish or how would a Jewish person view Christian baptism? Do they even view it in any way in the framework of Jewish thought? Or is it just like that's a practice that Christians do? Most likely not, unless they're a Bible scholar who's done a lot of research. You know, the more learned, if you will, who have any interest in learning about Christian traditions or maybe in their uh, Jewish seminary classes, if they're more religious, they would have learned about Christianity as another world religion and said, ah, I think, I think the Christians borrowed some ideas here from Moses uh, and the prophets. But generally, the Jewish community thinks that Christian baptism is a new invention to declare conversion to Christianity. And really that's part of, as I mentioned, the Jewish community by and large rejects at this point the messiahship of Jesus. There's a lot of kind of unbelief there and inability to see that Jesus actually did fulfill all the scriptural requirements that Moses and the prophets laid forth 
for who the Messiah would be, how he would live, where he would live, what he would do, how he would die, and how he would be raised to life again. Uh, there's an inability because of a callousness on our hearts and a blindness in our eyes as a people in large part, Paul talks about that, an inability to see that. So the Jewish community isn't making the connection. And unfortunately, the scandal with the Messianic Jewish community, which does baptize believers in Jesus, what we call the believer's immersion or believer's baptism, not saying that a Jewish person is converted to Christianity at all, but to say they are identifying with the death and the resurrection of Jesus, going under the water, identifying with him being buried in his death, buried to an old sinful nature, and then coming up from the water, being raised to life with him again, he who is the first fruits of the resurrection and the life. But for, for the larger Jewish community, who isn't looking at that as, as originally a Jewish practice, it's seen as, ah, well, the Messianic community is converted to Christianity. They have nothing to do with Judaism anymore. And baptism is like the final seal on that. I mean, there's even comedies. I'm thinking of, you know, some, some famous Jewish comedians, I won't mention names, will do skits on, you know, a Jewish person's about to be baptized by a Christian pastor or a Catholic priest, and the Jewish uh, friend or family member will run and push the person out of the way like they're taking a bullet for them because it's seen as like the last nail in the coffin as a departure from their Jewish identity and a conversion to Christianity. But if we look at the roots of mikvah or immersion and understand what Yohanan and the first century believers were doing, we see that the idea of a believer's baptism for a follower of Yeshua is a very Jewish idea. So what about Jewish believers in Jesus, Messianic Jews? What is their viewpoint on baptism? Yeah, I, I believe and I think generally the Messianic Jewish community sees clearly in the scriptures because the Messianic community believes both the Old and the New Testament to be the inspired word of God. To, together. It's one story God's telling, Genesis through Revelation, not two separate stories for two separate people groups. And the Messianic community in that light, looking at Old and New Testament, believes that there's a commandment, an obligation for baptism, not because it buys us a spot in heaven or because that baptism is how our sins are forgiven, but rather because it's it's an outward sign of an inward reality, right? It's the idea, like Jesus said, this is to fulfill all righteousness. And there's a commandment there. There's an invitation to obedience and the blessing and even the anointing of God, I'll say, that comes from fulfilling obedience and, and living a righteous life. And part of that living righteous as a believer, we see in the scriptures time and again, is to be baptized, right? The believers went and they were baptized by other believers as an outward sign an outward testimony confirmed by the witness of community of what that person in the community believes is inwardly true about that follower of Yeshua, of Jesus. So were you baptized? I was, actually. I was. I remember it to this day. It was in uh, Canandaigua Lake. I said that also with a good Rochesterian accent in, uh, in upstate New York. It was summertime, so the water was at its high temperature of about 53 degrees, very freezing cold definitely wrapped up in towels right after. But uh, yeah, that was in the context of community, uh, making a declaration of faith in Yeshua, in Jesus. And uh, that that the fruit of that relationship with him was witnessed by the community. And, and I did the baptism. For those who have listened to your journey, were you, I'm going to say a Christian, and I'm saying that in quotes, or more of a Jewish believer? Was it later in your faith journey when you did that? 
Yeah, my baptism happened in pre- predominantly, there were a few Jewish believers there, but predominantly a non-Jewish context at that lake in whatever year in the 90s it was. But I understood at that point, I'm I'm the son of a Jewish parent. I'm a Jewish young adult who's make, putting a stake in the ground, declaring his faith in, in Jesus and in Yeshua as our Messiah, as the Savior of Israel and the Savior of the world. So the company witnessing my faith declaration there was predominantly Gentile or non-Jewish, uh, not entirely, but, but my faith was in the, the, the one I learned about in Shabbat school early on, uh, who, I, who I knew of then when I was in that Messianic Jewish congregation, but came to know personally through that faith relationship with him later on uh, in, in my teens. So how would you encourage our audience who are either Jewish believers or Christians who maybe they haven't been baptized as an adult or they were sprinkled on as a child, depending what their you know, denominational upbringing is about baptism? What would you encourage them with? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, some people say, do I need to do it over and over and over? No, I think once is enough at whatever age you feel that you were able on your own to understand who Jesus is and to understand your need for him as a savior, Jew or Gentile. There's no difference in that regard. We all need forgiveness of sins. We all need a savior. Uh, and he is that for all of us. If you did that at an age of accountability and, and you have a you have that memory of that occasion, then you I believe you've fulfilled the scripture. Now, some of us have walked away from the Lord, right? And the Lord's brought us back in his mercy and his grace. And we want to kind of rededicate our lives and do baptism again. Nothing wrong with that. Is that scripturally commanded or not? I'm not going there. I'm not a theologian. That's a story for another podcast with another guest. For those who want to make that rededication, no problem there. And for those who go, you know what, I, was, I grew up Catholic, I was baptized as an infant, I really have no memory of it, I wasn't a believer then, then I'd encourage you also maybe uh, take this opportunity in this season to make that public dec- declaration. Again, not because it's buying you something you didn't have. If you're on the fence about the claims of Jesus, baptism ain't going to get you anywhere. Faith is what matters. By faith. By grace through faith, the scriptures of clear, not of works. So let's be careful, I would say, not to make baptism yet another form of works where we think we're earning something with God, but it is fulfilling uh, obedience and out of gratitude for all that God's done for us, delivering us from sinfulness and death, uh, why not fulfill all obedience and take that step and say, yeah, if, if you've commanded us to be baptized, to be immersed in water, to demonstrate that we've passed from death to life, I'll do that, Lord, because I love you and I want to obey what you command me to do. Amen. That's a good uh, closing statement to our podcast on baptism. As we've mentioned before, this podcast is supported uh, by our listeners. So if you'd like to support us and the content we're delivering to you, go to our website, ajewandagentiledisgust.org can donate one time or monthly. If you give monthly, you can receive our Lost Tribes coffee directly from Ethiopia as often as you'd like. Uh, We're also doing a monthly coffee giveaway right now. If you text JG to 474747, you can be entered to win a bag of free coffee each month. So go ahead and do that if you're interested. If you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also leave us a review. Um, share this podcast with someone you know who may be interested. You can also follow us on social media at the handle A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. 
If there's any questions you have for us, you can submit them on our website or engage with us on social media. Thanks again for listening to another episode. Join it next week to hear another episode of A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.